Hi guys, welcome back to Wildest Cricket Stories, uh, a podcast series covering conservation, wildlife and photography. I'm Craig. And I'm Carolina. Do you know what I realised? What did you realise? Today, almost, or like this month, I guess, the podcast turns one year. Really? Yeah. Did, did we start this time last year? Yes. Huh. Look at that. Well, happy Crazy, one year. Eh? When? This month? Yeah. So It's July. Uh, no, June or July. We June or July. So, happy roundabout one year birthday. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> we don't really know when we started our podcast. You're right, happy right. sort of one year birthday. <laughs> I should have actually looked yeah, at the exact but it's But it's fine. <laughs> but I just thought about you it You can today. wish us happy birthday between June and July. It'll still be valid. <laughs> yeah, but I just thought about it today. But uh, that's Very quite cool, cool hey? We yeah, have been has. sticking through it for a whole year. Yeah. No, and it's I'm, been fun. I'm it's proud been of fun. us. It has so, been cool. We've had some cool guests on. Yeah, hoping to have a couple more. Exactly. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been sticking around and who's still listening and who's not tired yeah, of us I, yet. I, to, to be honest, I thought people would get <laughs> sick of us very quickly. Um, so, yeah, thanks for sticking through it. I know we talk a lot of rubbish from time to time, but thank you to all the loyal listeners that uh, that sit through the rubbish. Yeah, no, we we love it. We, we've we said it before. It's it's a passion project. It's nothing that we, we don't earn a cent from yeah. this. Uh, it's just something we really enjoy doing and you know a place where we can get stories out there and we can <laughs> chat for a bit without anyone interrupting us yeah, exactly and i kind of hope and hope people help travelers help um help guides help striving photographers you know just something where we can put our work out there verbally exactly uh so yeah i've really enjoyed it and i'm excited to keep going i think the most you mentioned like guests and stuff the most uh, appreciated episodes the, from the stats i guess mm. are definitely the ones where we've had guests on yeah and uh, i do want to get more guests on and more frequently because it seems like it's something like you guys really enjoy it's just i guess it's tricky trying to find schedules fitting for three people instead of just two of us. It's, it's finding the time yeah, I think uh, people are busy, you know, um, in the post-COVID world. I think the industry has kind of gotten back to use, gotten back to what it was. And um, I think, yeah, it's, it's bottom line is it's difficult to find time. Exactly, and find time that fits for everyone. So yeah. we are definitely looking at more people um, that we want to have onto the podcast as guests so uh, yeah and if again as always you know if there's anything that you guys specifically want us to talk about uh, or elaborate on it can be something we've spoken about before uh, but you know we you want us to elaborate on then just let us know we super open to ideas and want to hear what you guys enjoy listening to the most and and that actually brings us to today's episode yeah and and the topic of today's episode because this is a topic that I've had on my list ever since November last year when one of my guests, shout out to Maureen, who came with me to Tanzania on my workshop uh, there in November, she asked me, uh, because she listens to the podcast and she was like, can't you guys do an episode about what to bring on safari, like what to pack, what to keep in mind, because she told me she was searching on YouTube for like tips and tricks <laughs> and so on, and the only videos that came up were like influencers who were like i packed this makeup and <laughs> like you should bring three cute dresses for outfits on the on the vehicle and she was like yeah this is not really what <laughs> the packing list that i need um so long overdue we were thinking about talking about what to bring on safari and uh you know from our perspective what is necessary everything from uh, camera gear and like specific things that i uh, recommend bringing with regards to photography but also you know clothes and uh those kind of things and what what should you bring on yeah, your just safari. essentials um i think and it's actually it's actually very interesting um because you know when we when we're thinking about topics myself and you we're normally thinking about topics that are quite advanced you know what i mean yes. and that's why we're asking for 
your guys' help uh, yeah. as to if there's suggestions on like, you know, I would never have thought about a packing list podcast, but it's pretty essential. But, yeah, because you and I know exactly what exactly. to Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it is super essential and I think it's a great topic. So like topics like this, guys, please let us know because we most likely won't think about it because... Yeah, you know, it straightforward, simple, to the point. You exactly, know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But I want to discuss it a little bit because For sure. we love to talk. So we're going to be discussing a little bit about air, like what to pack, obviously. Um, but I, what we're going to use as like our template is actually the packing list that we are sending to our guests who are coming with for our photographic safari in September later this year. Mm. Um, so we'll use that as our notes. Um, let me just get it up here i think an essential thing to start with is to talk about the dress code and like what because we're not going to be telling you guys like okay pack this many underwear and you know you can figure that out yourself. can we talk a little bit before we get into dress code can we talk about the history of dress code but that's in what africa I mean. <laughs> that's what i mean like let's talk a little bit about the um like do you need to wear a safari outfit <laughs> yeah it's 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 funny um i do laugh at it uh i think but i'm also uh i'm 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 a millennial so i think you know when people when when safari in south africa or in africa in general became quite a big thing in the 80s and the 90s um it was the thing to do you were going on safari with your pit helmet and your khaki clothes. Yes. And I wanted to look just like the guard. And um, that then followed suit. That followed through into early 2000s and into the 2000s. Wouldn't you agree? Even we've had guests over, over the oh, years. Oh, plenty. Where, plenty of that, times. Because they get told by their travel agent that, yeah, this is what you need to, to wear. That or they have an idea that you should wear khaki only. Mm when you go on safari because you need to hide yourself from the wildlife yes so i think this is i think this is where this whole like phenomenon comes in and it is just in it in it and it went wrong yeah uh, is the that thought of okay you need to blend into the environment so you need to hide from the wildlife you need to, so wear like, camo. You need, need to wear like a full camo suit and i just i just like i'm sorry like, but I need, uh, we need people to know this. You, yeah. You don't, you no. really don't. Because you on your safari, you will be on a vehicle. And we've covered a whole other podcast about, like, the vehicle procedures and being on safari. And, you know, and why animals don't really see the people in the vehicle, if that makes sense, as individuals. So it does not really matter what you wear because the vehicle itself is already very visible. So you're not, unless you're trying to blend into the vehicle, it doesn't matter if you wear cocky or a camo or yeah. a normal t-shirt. Yeah, I mean, there is there is the extent to like extremely bright Lumo colors. I mean, those stick yes. out like a sore thumb. But I mean, in general, usual colors, you know, they, they're, they're all fine. I think, and this is the thing as well, because a lot of people also think that, like, okay, I think I think it's black and white or something. That Black's fine. Black's a neutral color. Yeah, yeah, but just, just wait Sorry. to where I'm getting to. This is also another part of the uh, myth or whatever you want to call it, um, is that people say, okay, black and white um, attract flies, uh, which I don't know if there's any science behind that. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I don't know. There could be. And if there is, someone send me through the article, please, as I always say on the podcast. If yeah. But I've heard nothing of it. It's a it's a theory. So I think, like, the only thing is, as you mentioned, is very bright colors. And that is white included. So, like, it, it, it can be like a soft white, like a linen yellowish mm. white. That works. That's a little bit more neutral. But if you have, like, a very bright white t-shirt or... Uh, luminescent pink and orange and like yeah. those bright bright luminance colors uh, the only issue with them is that they stand out like a sore thumb they're striking if, they're very striking and if you move a little bit too quick uh, that might spook an animal yeah uh, especially if you're wearing something like that 
but at the same time we have had guests who have arrived with those colors and mm. it's been fine so yeah i think in general like don't worry about like the whole cocky thing uh, what is you know this the truth behind those colors is that they are quite comfortable to wear in the bush because obviously again bright colors we said why they not great and um white gets dirty so quickly so you don't want to wear yeah, white not on when it's like dusty and stuff and then black gets very hot in the sun so that's why the like neutral colors are more comfortable but if you wear a green t-shirt or like a normal blue t-shirt that doesn't matter like you know wear normal clothes kind of thing yeah um i i, I agree i think the only the only time that strict kind of um like wardrobe is to be followed is when you're walking in the bush so if you're on a trail Mm. Um, and you're doing a bushwalk because that's when neutral colors are essential. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's where your whites, blacks, uh, striking colors need to be left at home. Yeah. Um, due to you being on foot, you're on the animal's terms. That's now you're, you're there, you're in the thick of it. Um, but you know, the whole khaki outfit, let's look like the game ranger is very eighties and you don't need to do that. Well, even like 50s. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, let's even go back. <laughs> yeah, um, but so you don't, you definitely don't. Uh, I think a good thing to mention, what I would say is like comfortable clothing is the, is yes. the biggest thing. And this is where I want to say there's quite a big difference when it comes to clothing for what I pack for my Tanzania safaris is very, very different to what I pack for my South African safaris. Because uh, generally, your South African safaris will be more focused on the morning and the afternoons. So there'll be like a short stint in the morning, uh, or short stint, a couple of hours in the morning uh, for sunrise and a couple of hours in the afternoon for, uh, for sunset. And, and then you'll be back at the lodge during the day because usually the lodge is like very close to where the wildlife is, if that makes sense. Um, so you will, you'll just have to drive straight out and then animals are there. While in my experience, that's yeah, let's, not, not there, you know, they're not no, no, waiting no, 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 for you. Of course. But you usually don't drive as far distances as you do in, in Tanzania. So in Tanzania, you most of the time, and as I've understood, it's very similar in Kenya, is that you are out the whole day and you drive the whole day because uh, the lodges are usually more on the outskirts of like the, the game rich game dense areas exactly. of the national park so you usually drive further distances and you're out the whole day and you have like packed lunch with you and so on so then i would say the essential there is like wearing comfortable clothing that is comfortable to be sitting in a vehicle like the whole day for and also like being able to deal with the sun so like long sleeves that are thin material is really great because obviously with the sun directly on your skin like you can burn and it can get uncomfortable and gets very hot so something to shield yourself from uh, with the sun is really essential um especially for the tanzania um, yeah. safaris when you're out the whole day can i add on to that um with it depends on the season so if you're traveling in the uh, one of the wetter spells in Tanzania and Kenya, the tsetse flies can get quite bad. Yes. Um, so it is nice to have a nice light, because it's still quite warm, but have a, ni a lighter, longer sleeve top and potentially uh, longer pants, but light. You know, you don't need anything too tight around, around like, the body, but something comfortable. Like jeans is a bad idea. I would say no. I went, I went, we went for the month last year to Tanzania. I brought jeans and that was a... A bit of a, a bit of a mistake. So I'm <laughs> uh, talking from experience there. Leave the jeans at home. But in South Africa, I would wear jeans. Hundred percent. I think in the, you know you're not on the vehicle for long enough to get uncomfortable unless we're absolutely sitting and waiting for if we're watching a Pride Alliance hunt a herd of buffalo that can take mm. hours, um, and that then we sit, we wait, we watch, uh, and then that's the only side. But generally, uh, we're out for three to four hours back change into something comfortable, have breakfast, have lunch, go on, and then you're out that afternoon again. So something uh, something like 
a hiking pants uh, or similar is definitely recommended um, that that works quite nicely or even like yoga pants if you if you like that that's very comfortable to sit in a vehicle they're usually quite thin um, you know those kind of things are very comfortable so definitely recommend that but otherwise it's just general about comfort mm. and then obviously being aware of like again depending on the season but like dust and those kind of things is yeah. uh, that clothes get they get dirty so don't yeah. wear your fanciest stuff and just touching on shoes now yes let's um, move on to shoes shoes a lot of people i see a lot of people uh like come and come onto a safari and they've got these big hiking boots that they've gone and spent a thousand dollars okay not really a thousand dollars but two three hundred dollars on and you gotta go Okay, are you climbing Kilimanjaro? Yes, <laughs> then fine. Absolutely, you need that. But for your standard safari when you're going to be doing, even if a lodge has got bushwalks included, you don't need hiking boots. Your Normal standard sneakers. sneakers will be fine. Okay, I know sneakers nowadays, they're also flashy orange and blue and stuff like that. Maybe those are the ones not so much. But if you have like a standard neutral colored sneaker, it, it's fine to come on safari. Or if you have like walking shoes uh, that you have already and you don't need to like buy new yeah. ones, that's also, it is it is a great shoe to, to wear. Because they're also for comfort, you know, those uh, walking shoes and like sneakers, yeah. they're very, very comfortable. Yeah. Um, and the sneakers are for every occasion. So you can wear that when you're on game drive, on a bushwalk, chilling around the lodge. You, it's, it's just... You can wear one pair of sh- one one pair of shoes because what I'm finding is a lot of people are bringing sneakers, hiking boots, and let's be honest, how much space do hiking boots take yeah. in a bag? Yeah. Um, and then they'll bring a pair of flip flops. That's a lot of carrying around. Exactly. So I think flip flops is a good thing to bring, or flip-flops some is kind what of. Do, do people know what we're talking about when we say flip flops? I, I hope so. What What else do you call flip flops? I don't know. Isn't that the, the universal word for it? You guys let us know. Is that the universal uh, sandals is also another word for it? I was just about to say flip-flops or sandals. Sandals, yeah. But it's sandals is not the same countries, thing. countries, they've though. got... But they've got different names for these things in different no. countries. Okay, well, you guys call them plackies, so... But that's in... That's plackies. Yeah, don't Any you? South African, listen, please feel free to comment on that because that is way off pronunciation there. Uh, I'm sorry, what do you call them? Plackies. Plackies, okay. <laughs> anyway... Yeah, plackies and I know isn't in Australia they call thongs. Thongs, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But something you know, flip flops or like sandals. Like I, I wear my Birkenstocks in the bush all the time. They're great. Yeah, because one tip there, just side note, is that that would be for like walking around the lodge, mm. possibly going on game drive. But then you don't want to get like off the vehicle too much and walk around in the bush with open shoes because. Because that's maybe what we need to mention. The big thing with closed shoes is you might be able, you might step on thorns. A lot of thorns in the Kruger region. Yeah. In most in most regions. So you don't want anything that has to like a thin sole. Yeah. Because uh, then that might go through and it, that hurts. But also, it is good to be aware of snakes uh, and having closed shoes. I think I think the with regards to shoes on safari, I would say comfortable a comfortable pair of walking shoes. Um, and it doesn't have to be going back to it doesn't have to be uh, hiking boots. And then I'd say a, a pair of thick, uh, thickish soled um, flip flops. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that would be our recommendation when it comes shoes. to shoes. Uh, you don't need heels. No. Definitely not. No. Uh, <laughs> or what do you call it? Like. They have for like I've, I've had some interesting incidents there with the heels and the influences that come on the vehicle and they try to get in and they're balancing on the you know the side rails there wow. and, and it's it's interesting yeah uh, so yeah unless you are a fashion influencer yeah. you are going to take photos in the bush you know i get that that's your job that's yeah, what you need to do. What you do but we talk about the general person um you know you don't really need um like heels or anything like that so shoes, uh, I want to mention, you know, obviously depending on the time of the year, but in general, it is good. Like, I think most people think, okay, I'm going to Africa, so it's going to be hot. Yes, it does get hot, but it can also get cold. And you are, the big thing with it being cold in Africa, even though it doesn't get like 
Europe midwinter cold, it still gets chilly as we call it, and you are outside a lot. You're on an, and also in an open vehicle, so exactly. it's open air, um, and the open air is constantly hitting you, and especially mo- in the early mornings, late evenings. Exactly, and most of the time you will be eating uh, most of your meals outside, and you know you spend a lot of time outside in general you're there to be in nature so you're gonna be outside so even though it doesn't get like freezing cold it does get chilly and a like nice maybe fleece or jacket that like windbreak jacket isn't is a good idea to bring and and that's where especially if you're coming in like winter or you know just before summer uh, late late summer early winter then layers is a good idea to think about so like okay when you go out in the morning game drive uh, you have like long pants that maybe help like break the wind uh, and help you know warm you that way but that aren't too hot once the sun is rising and Mm. you know it gets warm you maybe have like a fleece or a jacket that you can take off if it gets too warm so like think layers uh, is definitely a good thing to yeah. just keep in mind that it, it can get cold uh, even though we're in Africa if that makes sense yeah layers are important um, I think uh, and like you said winter winter is the is the is the way you need the layers yeah in winter yeah. like we wear beanies and Gloves. I wear like the same jacket in South African winter as I sometimes wear in Swedish winter and you know gloves beanie yeah, my winter boots to keep warm and yeah, it, it does get cold and I think like what a lot of people don't understand is sometimes you'll go on game drives in like August when it's the coldest time of the year um, and you know if you're stationed at a lodge that's close to a water source a lot of lodges are overlooking dams and um, river systems the, the temperature coming off that water source is freezing mm. um and uh yeah it it it, it is cold um so yeah not going to ramble on anymore about it but just bring your layers in winter yeah no it definitely gets cold so that's good to know but then also on the opposite side it does get warm so mm. you know shorts t-shirts that is nice to wear you have but obviously sunblock um, hats lots is of sunblock, sunblock especially for the europeans that's sunscreen for anyone who i think sunblock is a south african word um sunscreen slash sunblock uh, but also like hats uh, if it's a big safari hat that's if you want to go into the, the vibe that's fine a cap is also really good because i really noticed that having a cap and like just having shade on your face really helps to like regulate the heat mm. and helps your body to just deal with that heat. So so that's a really good good thing to keep in mind. Obviously, most a lot of lodges also have like a pool. So if you wanna you know go for a swim during the heat of the day between game drives, that's also good to keep in mind. Uh, bring you know uh, swimwear and so on. Uh, so that's just uh, also recommendation for the heat. Yeah, I think I think probably the biggest emphasis is on sunblock. Most lodges have it um but again like it the the african sun burns you yeah it's it it's it's intense i've seen some pretty pretty intense um happenings around the pool where people think no 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 we had to tan you know it's winter it's winter where i am you know it's the end of winter it's horrible i was like yeah it's winter there but it's summer here yeah and I don't know, I need to work on my tan. And they come out just completely red. Yeah. And uh, it's actually, it's dangerous. No, no, it is. And it's, it's very, very careful with the sun. Uh, sunblock is very important. So, so that's very good to keep in mind. Uh, what else do we have on clothing? That's it for clothing. Um, I think we're going to move on to something a little bit more advanced. And it's kind of niche, um, <laughs> uh, mainly for Carolina's tours um or outwards i suppose uh, is camera equipment yes and that is a question i get a lot so i think it is it's good to cover uh what like camera equipment i recommend uh bringing and what is you know how many sd cards are enough and <laughs> and all of that because uh, that's that can be tricky to navigate if yeah. you haven't been before and you you don't know okay how many photos am i going to be taking 
And I think uh, let's start with like cameras. Uh, obviously, the camera you have is the best one. Uh, you don't need to buy the most expensive latest model. But I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not going to go through like specific camera re- um, recommendations right now because it just it's so up to like your budget and all that. If you want to invest in a new camera, that's great. But read up on stats um, read up on specs with like different cameras and what that means and everything. Uh, I do go through all of that in my ebook, uh, what to look for specifically in a camera equipment. And I think just to cover it like very quickly is most important for wildlife photography is frames per second is very important. And autofocus, like good autofocus is definitely very helpful. Those are the two top priorities I would say. Uh, but there's other stuff to take into consideration as well. What you can also go do is on my Amazon storefront, I have linked camera recommendations for different budgets. Uh, so you can have a look there and see, you know, what different options there are. But in general, you know, any camera that you are comfortable with using and you feel are great, that is going to be awesome. Then when it comes to lenses, it's a little bit different because this is where, you know, we make it, it's a bit of a big, bigger difference for wildlife photography specifically. And people uh, ask me a lot about this because it's difficult to know, you know, how close do you get to the animals? And sometimes you'll get very close to the animals. They will walk straight past the vehicle. It does mm. happen. And sometimes they will be a hundred meters into the bush. Uh, and that's the tricky thing with, you know, safari. And I would say the ultimate focal range for uh, like wildlife photography in Kruger is something like 150 to 600. Like that is a really, really awesome focal range for both Kruger and for Tanzania, I would say, um, because you can zoom out when the animals are very close and you can to like the 150 is definitely, uh, you know, enough zoomed out. They don't get closer than that. And you can zoom in when things are further away, especially, I would say, especially, especially for Serengeti, uh, something around like a 600 millimeters is essential because it's so open. You see animals very, very far away because it's so flat, so open. So that's definitely essential there. In Kruger, you can get away with something like a 400 millimeter, definitely more. And you can you can use that in Serengeti as well. I use I use that most of the time when I'm going there anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's just good to keep in mind. But to mention about like 150 to 600 mil lens, the negative side that you might have to sacrifice there is that most of those lenses have a very high f-stop, so you don't get as not, as much light into the sensor. And this is where you start talking about like budget and money and like okay how much money do you have to spend on a lens or you know all of those kind of things or can you uh, rent a lens maybe if you want specific things for this once in a lifetime safari that you're doing Uh, because if you want a lot of light you're going to be shooting in early mornings late afternoons and you also want those like nice blurry backgrounds then you need to maybe invest in something that has a lower f-stop and that is of is what you pay a lot more money for and then you might also have to sacrifice the whole zoom thing so there's a lot of different options there but uh, good to know i think is uh, something around like a 400 millimeter uh, for kruger uh, especially for greater kruger where you can off-road and you often get close to animals and something like a 600 millimeter mm. for serengeti would be my just quick yeah something that's also important i think um for travelers to know Um, especially photographers, in particularly photographers, uh, is that now in in South Africa, at least, I'm not 100% sure on how it's going in other safari um, destinations, but I know South Africa rentals is becoming more and more accessible. Uh, So, and that's always good because I know a lot of, uh, a lot of photographers that I have helped plan trips for and have been um, or have come on safari with me over the years uh, are the one thing they say is just oh, getting this equipment here, legging it here, legging it back to the US, the UK, Australia, wherever the case may be, um, is um, a bit of a mission. 
nowadays with rentals becoming more of a thing um if you have the budget to do it usually most of the rental companies that i do do business with have um have uh the rates are good and um have a lot of equipment um that so i'm pretty sure the equipment that a certain photographer is using could be replicated here um and you could basically have your setup in south africa when you come for safari and have to bring nothing and also you know if there is you know you don't have the money to spend on you know completely new setup yeah, yeah. you may be going for you know a once in a lifetime safari but you don't do a lot of wildlife photography back home so you're like okay is it worth for me to buy all this equipment when i'm going to use it once on this trip yeah see there is options to rent so just let us know and as you said that like all of these camera um rental companies mm. they have so much to offer so there is a lot of different and yep. really really good stuff high-end quality the latest stuff and you don't have to pay yeah and i mean it's only getting more and more um extensive i think mm. like you know there's now there's now drone rentals and you know i mean it's um uh it, it they, they, you can you can rent so much different stuff um with regards to photography and film nowadays from uh, from certain rental companies in South Africa, and um, I, I think, like you said, if you're just if you're if you don't know much about wildlife photography and you're coming to South Africa and don't want to invest, like you just mentioned, it's mm. the perfect and most convenient way for you to still get good photos. Fantastic, or even like, oh, you you know, you have always dreamt of photographing with this specific lens, or like for this trip to to. Africa and to, for your safari you want to really have the best possible lens or camera uh, you know then, then rent it mm. you, you pay not nearly as much as you would you know buying it so that, that's definitely something that's good to keep in mind to move on uh, to finish up the little camera equipment stuff uh, I think one question I also get uh, a lot is you know okay how many SD cards how many batteries and I think it's difficult to say because uh, when it comes to SD cards, it very much depends on your camera and if you shoot with RAW or not. Obviously, if you shoot RAW, it takes a lot more space and your SD cards fill up much quicker. But in general, uh, my SD card that I use on my camera can take about 900 photos before it's full. So just to give you guys an idea, because this is, you know, it depends on your camera. So 900 my- photos... Sorry, what size did you say it was? No, but that doesn't matter. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it, it, I'm just saying, like, this is where you need to look at your camera and see what size will work for your camera. Yeah. But as reference, mine is 900 photos. So, and that usually lasts me, it, it can last me, like, three, four days if I'm not photographing much. But usually, as a standard, I try to uh, format that card every day. So that's just as reference, that's good to know that that, for me, I comfortably uh, can go on two game drives with that SD card before I feel like I need to, uh, you know, back up my photos and then format the card for it to be a fresh card. Does that make sense? Yeah. But for, for example, I mean, like you mentioned it is sometimes you'll have um, a leopard on a kill and you'll go through... 900 photos in one morning because yeah. there's just so many different angles different different ways you can get the shot different interactions between uh, the leopard maybe hyenas around so you can don't don't base yourself on it will last two drives it's, no anything exactly. can happen anything can happen so yeah what i also do is like i i comfortably feel it that will last me two drives but just in case i always have at least one SD card extra yeah uh, because as Craig says you never know some like you have a game drive where you see five kills no that that's very <laughs> unlikely Win. very unlikely Win. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean like it can um so oh. that's just good to just to keep in mind uh, and then so maybe two SD cards depending on your camera and you know the file sizes of your camera uh, two SD cards that can that can hold approximately a thousand photos each, if that makes sense, or can last you a thousand photos each. Then what's also good to to bring is, you know, a hard drive 
and a laptop mm. to be able to back your photos up every single day and format mm. your cards. Because the last thing that you want to happen is for your card to you know fail halfway through your trip and you've been keeping all your photos on this one card uh, you know and that fails and now you've lost all your photos through a whole trip back up your photos bring a proper hard drive and i think just what you're saying is because i want to mention this because i make this mistake all the time yes you do <laughs> empty your sd card that's what i mean with formatting sorry, okay sorry if that wasn't clear <laughs> yeah. empty your sd card you see i'm i'm more the the basic photographer intermediate carolina is the advanced good to um, know there sorry yeah um but emptying your sd card this is just me this is not an amateur's kind of thing this is just craig being stupid but is, it is an amateur thing, I'm sorry. Yeah, fair that. enough. You just like think, ah, tomorrow's our last day. What are the chances? Bang, leopards mating or something. And you've only got like 20 photos left. And you sit there with your camera going, which one should I delete? Yeah. Um, so big thing is, yeah, get rid of everything. I would say at least, I would say generally daily or at l like probably once after every single drive yeah empty that sd card because you never know what's going to happen the next day exactly or the and, next drive and like you said there i think this is what, what i wanted to get to very important there is uh, what i mean with formatting is that uh, that is a full like delete format of your sd card think of it as a deep clean yeah and the uh, the important thing to keep in mind here because you were saying craig like oh you sit there and then you start deleting stuff off your camera that is not a good thing to do. Um, you shouldn't do that. It is really bad for the cards. You want to try to take care of your SD cards as much as possible uh, to make them last as long, but also for them not to be corrupted. So when I say corrupted, it's like basically when a card like fails and all of a sudden you can't like access anything on it and it's just kind of it reached its end of life and it just fails. Um, and that can happen with a bunch of different things. But one thing is you should as little as possible be deleting stuff from off camera, if that makes sense. So ideally, you don't touch your photos like on camera. You can look through them to make sure like, oh, I got this and I got that. And some cameras, you can star them and rate them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then ideally, you then upload all of them to your computer and that's when you start going through them to see which ones you want to keep and not you then take your card back into your camera and you go to the set to your settings and you format the card in camera so i hope that makes sense for everybody what i mean with all of these words but you can also google and see like how do i format my card in this specific camera model to find you know how to do it but that's the best way to keep your cards happy and uh, to also know that you have a fresh card that is completely empty all the time when you go on game drive because you never know what happens mm. uh, also actually mentioning because i kept on saying sd cards obviously for some ca cameras it'll be a cf card uh, or a cf card express uh, and that's just good to mention the cf card express are very expensive and it's for a reason it's because they are very very fast and usually have a lot of storage and they are great if you are like filming a lot and they're, they're also quite hardy they, they are they are a bit cards. thicker than uh than the sd cards so they're a little bit hardier but yeah that's just good to know there's different kinds if you want to know more of those details google uh, and youtube sd card versus cf express cards and so on but just worth mentioning i think an sd card is perfectly fine for a like for a photographer who goes on safari and wants good photos. If you are looking at being super professional filmmaker, you need to look at other stuff maybe. For sure. Then a uh, other thing also a mistake Craig often makes is batteries. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> like the amount of times guys that we have a sighting <laughs> and Craig either hasn't even brought his camera because he's like, ah, what are we I gonna think see over today? The last, let's let's be honest here. Over the last two years or so, I'm better oh, you're much at better. bringing the camera, but the charging Yeah. And awkward. you're like, ah no, it's fine. And then oh, oh no, my battery. And like in the middle of like a leopard leopard jumping up a tree and Craig is like, oh no, my battery. And I'm like, oh, you are such an amateur. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> you just don't learn. You just don't learn. So we also, uh, on that note, you know, uh, everyone knows in, um, like, the colder it is, um, you know, generally, your ba- especially if your battery is quite low, it goes flatter quicker. Yeah. Um, and Caroline has seen me at multiple times, like, pull my battery out and hold it in my hand and start blowing dramatically in my hand to try like heat up the battery. Putting it in your armpit yeah, or something, trying to, to heat it up. Warm it up and then chucking it back in the camera. So, yes, amateur rules, charge your batteries, make sure um, you're you're out there. Don't, don't pull a Craig. No, exactly. But that leads us to our next thing. How many batteries should you bring? And this is a thing for DSLRs, uh, the batteries usually last a bit longer. And I would mm. say like one battery is usually fine unless you're like filming a lot um, as, as, and as long as you charge it every day. Uh, I personally have three batteries. Uh, I don't think I've ever gone through all three in one day. But uh, I bought three. Uh, I've bought extra batteries like over the years, and now I have three. Um, and it's basically for what what I do is I just charge them all three before I'm going on a safari, and then I have always at least one extra with me on game drive, so that like if the battery goes flat, like I know I can change. Uh, but also I do that so that I don't have to charge them every day or sometimes, you know, we've spoken about in South Africa we have load shedding and power isn't always reliable so then I know I have extra batteries just in case. Yeah, so yeah, that's just good to know. I think I would say in general two batteries should be fine. Uh, If you shoot mirrorless, maybe you'll need three if you're going on like full day safaris like in Tanzania uh, because mirrorless does go way, way quicker. Yeah, but uh, it all kind of depends on, on, you know, how much you're filming and, and all of that. Yeah, um, I agree. I think uh, we've seen it with our clients as how the battery power with the mirrorless cameras mm. uh, tend to falter. But we've also had very experienced photographers with us that have always had more batteries. No, definitely, definitely. Um, but, um, but yeah, it is something that the photographer, even amateur photographer, intermediate photographer, a professional photographer needs to take into consideration. I think we've mentioned before that the we've um, the the more earlier mirrorless models, the battery was draining a lot faster, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, I think in general, ba- mirrorless is just more electricity, mm. so it just uh, drains more battery. So that's just good to keep in mind. Uh, batteries, SD cards, uh, but yeah, hard drive and laptop. I would recommend. I know some people rather like just bring lots of sd cards uh, that makes me nervous when people do that yeah because uh, i actually wanted to mention about hard drives uh, the best hard drives to travel with are solid state drives so that's an ssd uh, because they don't have movable moving parts like a just hard drive disk hard drive has uh, so they travel much better and are a little bit hardier uh, i have one from sandisk uh, which is amazing it's their portable SSD, I think, Extreme Pro. or Very expensive, but Pro. worth it. Very, very expensive, uh, but very worth it. Because it will last you forever. Yeah, and you don't, you don't want to lose. Uh, it's a good investment. It is, it is. Um, so yeah, just uh, some tips. I think that's it on camera stuff. What I want to mention next is almost cameras, uh, but it, it kind of has to do with it. Is binoculars. Of course. Look, I think most lodges nowadays have um, binoculars with them that you can use with a guide. Um, I think it's it's pretty standard operating procedure now amongst lodges because it is something that takes space. Yeah. Um, I think check with the lodge you're traveling with. Um, check with the company you're going with. And um, if they have binoculars, so I think that's something you should check because if they don't have binoculars, then they'd obviously bring some. Um, but I, I, most nowadays, most companies and most uh, lodges do supply. At the same time, I would I would say like it is nice to have your own because you never know. Like depending on the lodge you travel to and so on, you might be on the vehicle with other people, and then if they only have one or two pairs, you have to wait for the other people. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is very nice and I convenient to have there. to have your own. So um, that's just good to keep in mind. Me as a photographer, 
I always thought I didn't need binoculars because I'm like, oh, but I've got my wildlife lens. Like I can just look through that. And I'm telling you that it is so much more inconvenient to look through my lens constantly than to just have a pair of binoculars. Yeah. Uh, so, and it, it helps to look through the binoculars first uh, if something is far away and then set yourself up for the shot and stuff. Um, just, just some advice there. Uh, other general like small camera stuff uh, would be I often get questions about tripods for your like wildlife photography no you don't need a tripod you're going to be in a vehicle most of the time I've mentioned this before if you're not in a vehicle I don't recommend taking your camera at all uh, because you're not going to get close enough uh, to take photos and if you are close enough to take photos you shouldn't be taking photos because then that means you're in a dangerous situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, it also depends the uh, the the setting you're in, and if you're in like if like rehabilitation area or something like that, it's a different story. But like in that like the, if you're in, um, you know, we often see it with uh, there's there's a couple of cheetah uh, areas with cheetah where people go on foot with cheetah, and uh, yeah. because they've been. Uh, reintroduced to the wild, uh, rewilded those individuals, and those those individuals you can approach on foot. But it's not the norm. Mm. Um, there are situations where that can happen, but it's not the norm with regards to a photographic safari. So in general, like but even in a situation like that, I wouldn't recommend having a tripod because it's no, just, yeah, of course, it, it's too much carrying and might be something that can spook spook the animals. And and then on the vehicle, you know, a tripod is just super inconvenient. Even a monopod yeah. can be a little bit inconvenient. It is a better option if you like shooting with a monopod from a vehicle, you know, then you do that. But I find it a little bit inconvenient, a little bit in the way all the time. But uh, bean bags. Yes, so that was where I was going to get to. The other option is a bean bag. And for our workshops, we provide bean bags. So for our guests, they don't have to bring, it, bring their own unless they really want to. But uh, if you are traveling on like a normal safari, uh, not with us, <laughs> uh, then, you know, then bring a beanbag that's highly recommended. They're so convenient to just put on the side of the vehicle and lean your camera against. And what I do with my beanbag is I empty the like uh, beans. the beans or the pellets that are inside. And then uh, I travel with it and it's just basically a piece of fabric. So it's super easy to travel with. And then when I get to the location, I either stuff it with like clothes or actually rice bags to just get that bit of weight to make sure it stays on the vehicle. Mm. So that's just a bit of a recommendation there. Last thing, I promise I've been talking a lot now about camera equipment. Craig is starting to get yeah <laughs> get over it. But last thing, highly, highly recommend, especially if you're traveling in winter, dry season, is a cloth to just throw over your camera equipment while you are in the vehicle so that you're protecting it from dust. Yeah, I think all, yes, you mentioned that uh, I'm getting over it, but I mean, it's all very essential um, tips and tricks when traveling as a photographer. And I can guarantee you, majority of people listening to this would not have thought about it. So yeah, very good, very, very good. I've just heard it so many times. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, very, very essential knowledge there. Um, with regards to um, camera equipment and traveling with camera equipment. And I think lastly, with regards to traveling is uh, travel documents. Of course, of <laughs> but course. It's, and everyone sitting at home right now listening to us would probably be laughing and go, of course. But, you know, you know, there's different, there's still, COVID's still out there. There's still different vaccination protocols at certain, uh, different points of entry of different countries. Um, suddenly countries need different um, uh, different visas, uh, different vaccinations, uh, you know, yellow fever, um, the hepatitis, ec ec and the list goes on and on when coming to Africa. So the biggest thing is do your research and do it properly. And if, you, if, you're, if you're struggling with doing your research, contact someone, contact us. If you're booking through us, contact us. If you're booking through freaking someone else don't contact me. um but <laughs> happy to agent. help you yeah contact your agent happy to help you out um and um you know like for example i'll tell you a funny story um freaking british airways in the uk uh <laughs> i was flying to sweden this time book british airways everything's fantastic happy flight was booked 
and uh, two weeks before I'm traveling, I find out I need a transit visa. Who's heard of a transit visa? You're not leaving the airport. But apparently, if you're flying through England and you're on a South African passport, you need this wonderful thing called a transit visa that costs money. You can hear very happy about this. Yeah, <laughs> but hence had to change the flight, move the flight to December because I didn't have time to do it. Booked Emirates instead for this time. Um, uh, it wasn't a big loss, but you know that's the that's the issue. Um, is I didn't do my research, and I'm well travelled. So even if you are well travelled. Make sure you got your ducks in a row with traveling and um, you'll be all good. Yeah, definitely. It's so important to look up all of those requirements depending on what country you're going to and so on. Because also yeah. things change. Yeah. So it can be this way for 20 years and you could have traveled that country every year for 20 years. And because you've gotten comfortable with traveling to that country, suddenly something changes mm. um, in year 21. Exactly. And you haven't done your research. And it it destroys your whole holiday because you don't get allowed to get, you're not allowed to get on the plane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just my last point on what you need to prepare yourself for when coming. On One safari. more thing there with like travel documents and, and those kind of things is just obviously travel insurance is always a good thing too. Travel insurance is always a always a good thing. Um, and make sure your medical cover is also covering you covering you abroad. Yeah. So um, that's also part of your travel insurance. But yes, make sure you have a good travel insurance. Yeah, and I think uh, that sums up our little package. Essentials, list. yeah. I think yeah. essentials to make your life easier, more comfortable, and um, yeah, help you spend less money on essentials that you thought you wouldn't need, but while you've gotten to your destination, it's like, oh, I need this now, and then you go out and buy it. So just to, just to lend a hand. Uh, one more thing, actually. Go ahead. The most essential for anyone who follows me on TikTok knows that this is the most essential, a coffee travel mug. Coffee travel mug. <laughs> mm, interesting. Uh, it's not essential for everybody, but I love having a coffee travel mug with me uh, like on morning game drive and uh, just being able to have a cup of coffee while you like sitting at a sighting waiting for something to happen or whatever it is. Uh, and I remember when I went to Tanzania, one of my uh, clients were also like, Oh, I should have brought a coffee travel mug. That's so clever. I didn't think of that. And I was like, yeah. So now I put it on all my packing list to all my guests. Yeah, because that's important. If you drink coffee. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, I think that's it for this time. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this. And I hope it's been helpful. Yeah, I hope it's been helpful for anyone that's going to Africa. Yeah. Uh, and again, just let us know if there's anything else that you guys feel we should we should talk about on the podcast. Yeah, we want to open the floor to people and tell us because this came through someone. We would never have thought of this topic. No, exactly. Um, so yeah, we're always open to suggestions. Absolutely. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll hear from you'll hear from us uh, quite soon again. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,